0: Rise and shine, pinchers. Welcome back to another episode of Just a Quick Pinch. I'm your host, Connie Wang. Now, today, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. I think I'm the most excited for the pincher, my dad, to listen to this. My dad loves when Annie and I record together. Um, Dad, you're gonna have a great time. Also, don't worry, I edited the full video version for you to watch over and over again. But today, we have my big sister on. And you know, as siblings do, as sisters do, we just started chatting. I kinda had a framework for what I wanted to talk about. you know, it was the typical like imposter syndrome kind of stuff. But like I said, as sisters do, we just started chatting and our conversation just kind of went into the direction of everything that's really tough and difficult with working in healthcare. So we started chatting about, you know, getting our first few bad reviews, having a patient that doesn't want to work with us, or having a complication that you really couldn't prevent. Having those sticky, icky, painful, uncomfortable, um, you know, real life experiences that are really important to chat about and ultimately just things that you chat about with your older sister so I just really enjoyed today's episode I think you guys are going to learn a lot I know I did and yeah without further ado now on to the main episode with my big sister Annie hit it editing Connie So I'm excited to have you back because a lot of these questions that I pulled out are very like you're gonna have to go way back in time to back when you were in residency and I'm excited because I feel like I didn't even really know like Annie back then I mean like I did know you but like these are all questions that I've never asked you before so I'm excited to see what I learn. Um. So first off, how did you feel like your first few weeks after graduating res- residency and starting work?
1: Yeah, I like that question a lot because I think the misconception is that we think that at the end of training we're gonna have we're gonna know everything. We're gonna have all the answers. We're gonna be experts in our fields. And he, true, you can you probably know more than somebody who didn't train um, in your field. But the 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 answer, the reality is that we're always learning. And uh, I think it, we expect that we know everything. at the end of residency and we should know all the answers but the reality is that we know enough to know a lot of the really common things but then we also know how to exclude the uh, potential diagnoses for example and then we know where to look if we need answers for the things that we're not sure about um but I, I remember being really excited that I was a new attending. I was finally done with training. Uh, this moment had finally come, but I also had every, we all were really scared too. Oh my goodness. And now I call all the shots, you know, I don't, I can't say I'm just the resident and you know, I can go grab yeah. my attending for all the answers. Um, but it's, it's exciting, it's fun. Um, I always say the highs are higher, the lows are lower. You know, you're the ones who, who's calling the shot now, now that you're done with residency. Um, and it, it's, it's humbling in that you still are learning in many ways. And uh, somebody once said to me that, you know, the first 10 years, she was told by her mentor that the first 10 years, you're essentially still learning. This is the first 10 years after you're done with the training. Um, so I think it's really, really important to stay humble and just to know that you you're constantly learning every single day um, with with every single interaction that you have some of them is actually the science and the the medical aspect of it and some part of it is actually the art of medicine and dentistry and, and learning how to communicate with patients and with staff that's that's all part of the things
0: that we're
1: learning once we're done with residency
0: it's interesting to say that because I feel like that's that's exactly how I feel is like yeah I'm learning more about clinical stuff every day but I also feel like my patients are teaching me like how to be a better human human because I feel like every exam room I walk into I leave being like huh like I could have explained this better or I leave being like huh that was a nice connection moment and it's just like okay how can we be like nicer people and be more clear and communicate better did you feel like it was weird at all though like this is the weirdest thing for me was I feel like literally overnight once I walked across that stage you were there you saw they gave me this arbitrary piece of paper and then all of a sudden like Like you said, you're expected to be in charge, but not only that, the weirdest thing for me was being in charge of a team of professionals who have been working, like, some of them longer than, like, I've been alive. So that's really added to my imposter syndrome. It's like, not only do I not know all these diseases, on top of that, I have to, while, like, that professional person's watching, like, convey the sense of confidence and, like, lead this team when like they know i feel like they just all know so much more than me so like how did you navigate that imposter syndrome because now you have to lead your ma's your front desk all of that
1: yeah i I think you you have to really um you just have to stay humble um there is a lot for you to learn from all of your staff from those that you said that you have been doing this for for far longer i absolutely depend Mm -hmm. on my ma's every single day they know how to how to room the patients and how to get things flowing in my clinic. So it's easy for me to say, oh my gosh, that patient arrived three hours early. Let's see her first. But, um, and that sometimes yeah. does work, but my MAs are really, really good and they're really skilled at saying, okay, that one has come first, but then this person, his appointment is right now. And they they do it in a certain way that they maneuver the appointments with a lot more skill and elegance than, than I could. Uh, and so I think it's really, really important that even though you're leading the team, um just know that you're you're part of the team and that cohesiveness that you foster through your leadership and um Uh, through you um, and through your guidance, but they're also guiding you through that partnership. That's how you carry the team forward. And so, you know, you have a lot to learn from your staff, from all of them. Um, And it's important to convey, you know, what you may like or not like and for for them just to know and to work with you. But at the end of the day, you're still very, very much working together. Um, I think it's also really important to set boundaries. And uh, I think part of it is that, you know, it's we're working in professions where you're always needed for X, Y, Z. And there's always more that you can be doing truthfully, but at the same time, you need to set boundaries. Um, not only boundaries with your time, but also with your mental health. And I, I think it's really important just to protect yourself in that sense. Um, and so to set those boundaries um, early on um, and just to, just to be vocal about what you may like or not like about how things are scheduled or, or how how you like it um, is, is really, really important. And I, I give a lot of credit to my MAs because um, my MAs, when I have to work with a new one, come up to me right before we start the day and say, hey, doc, you know, do you like this laid out? Or do you like to do this? Is this how you like the gowns? Is this how you like the chairs? Do you like the back up or back down? Um, These little, little things that I never really even paid attention to when I first started. But um, you know a good MA when you see one is because they're very in tune with all these details. They clarify what you like from the get-go so that once the patients do start rolling in, they know how how you like it. But also it ultimately helps the clinic run smoother too.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That could not have been better said because I feel like I could not survive without my assistant because partially it's because like he reads me really well so he can tell when I'm unsure about something and I think a big part of that is the boundaries what is what would you say is like the best boundary that you set for yourself early in your career Ooh. I think it's really
1: really important um, to be present and to be available But also to make sure that you're not stepped all over because I always want my staff to feel comfortable to come to me with questions or concerns. There's always somebody who's calling or sending an email with this question or concern, and I always want them to feel comfortable to come to me with those questions. Um, but I also think that the reality of it is that if you, um, it's very easy to, to say, Oh, I'll just overbook this one. I'll see this one. I'll see this one. I'll I'll add this one, you know? Oh yeah, I'll do this. And you do it with such good intention that because people want to be seen, everybody wants to be seen yesterday. So it's with good intention that you want to see them right away. You want to help your patients, but just know that we reach a certain point in our day, in our week, in our months of working over and over again, that we, Reach this capacity. And when you go over that capacity, you basically, you know, increase your risk for burnout. And so you have to constantly, it's a constant juggle between. I wanna do right by the patient, I wanna do right by them, I wanna help them. But just to know that if you truly say yes to everything, you overbook everybody, you add everybody in, there's going to be a time where you're gonna reach a bottleneck and patients are gonna be waiting in the waiting room. They might get upset because they're waiting. You're running on fumes at this point, trying to accommodate everyone. And what ultimately happens is you just kind of break yourself down. And so I think um, maintaining that openness with your staff and, you know, I, I take um, I take it a, a huge priority that my staff feel comfortable that they can come to talk to me and ask me questions, but also to know that they ask me, OK, doc, what do you want to do about this? And sometimes I say, OK, we need to overbook them. Let's see them. And then sometimes I say, oh, you know what? Let's um, this one seems a little bit less urgent. Maybe not today maybe tomorrow, maybe in 48 hours, let's reach out to them. Or I'll say, let's see them in two weeks, but I'm going to call them today just to make sure everything is okay. So understanding that and understanding your own boundaries, your own limits, and how to balance that with the needs and the demands of your patient and staff is something that I'm still working on. But I think it's important to
0: set those boundaries from the get go if you can. That's such a good point. I think what makes being a new grad so hard is that I'm still learning so much. I still don't really know like what I'm comfortable with, what my boundaries are, what my limits are. What do you think as a new grad that's just starting out, what do you think is like the most important thing that we should try to learn about ourselves then? Listen, when you're a new grad, you're learning about...
1: Um, you're learning about the knowledge, right? The artistry of of what you're doing. So, so you mm-hmm. have to learn your dent. Your in your situation, let's say you're learning dentistry, right? You're learning the actual skill set of dentistry, how to formulate treatment plans. Um, but you're also learning how to communicate with patients. How do I tell them what they need? Um, and the the way you word things can very much sway their decision. And so there are totally. biases that we present, right? So we can say, okay, you have X Y Z plans, but depending you have X Y Z options, but depending on how you say it will will kind of sway how patients decide, um, and so so you know you're learning how to communicate these these preferences essentially and these options, but then you're also learning how to manage a staff. All of that is part of the this this, this incredible growth curve when you're a first time attending right out of training or um, right out of school, and and so just know that you are on this crazy learning curve when you first start, um, and then eventually that learning curve doesn't actually flatline so the 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 misconception is that all right, you're seven years, eight years in, you should totally get this down. And the reality is that I'm constantly learning every single day, um, and, and constantly evolving, not only as a doctor and in, in what I'm learning from my own patients, uh, medically, but also, um, in, in terms of relationships with other people, in, in terms of relationships with my patients, relationships with my own staff. And so that never really, really goes away. And the, the, the misconception is that you're going to reach a certain point and you're you're going to know it all. And uh, my number one recommendation is please get that thought out of your mind right away because that's never really going to happen. You're never going to know everything. You're constantly going to be learning. And in fact, the humbling part is the longer that you practice, the more you realize what you don't know and the more complications you see. And I think that's when the imposter syndrome really kicks into high gear because then you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to know it all. I've been practicing this whole time, but as time goes on, I feel like I go, no, less and less and then you need to catch yourself and is that the more you see sometimes you feel like the less you know um and and so i think just constantly to keep check of that that because it's very slippery slope and it's easy to to go down that slippery slope and really to have that lack of confidence and lack of enjoyment in your work um and then that's when you really start falling for the imposter syndrome for the burnout and for all of that but keeping in check and finding the joys of what you do and and remembering your why right we talked about why and why you chose your career um remembering all the good moments um uh and and what what brings you back every single day Um, those are the things that are really really important as, as time goes on um i think uh i think we all are pretty high achieving and so what ends up happening very naturally, whether you realize it or not, is that when a, when you have a good procedure, you have a good outcome, you have a really happy patient, they thank you and you're like, okay, that's great. And then you toss it to the back of your mind and then you forget it because you kind of expect it, right? You, you're We're all people pleasing at the end of the day. We just want good results for our patients because we care. And then when those complaints start happening or things don't go well, or you have a complication, which is completely unavoidable because the more that you see, the more that you do, the more you increase your chance for these potentially bad like outcomes. Statistically, it'll just happen. Statistically, it's going to happen. Um, and that when those bad moments happen, the com- if let's say somebody happens to complain or um, you know they say they i've had somebody say i don't really like how she called my age spots um she called them wisdom spots and that's patronizing uh i was shocked when i read that comment because i was like i'm so sorry i was trying to be funny actually i was really just trying <laughs> to connect with you i really did not mean to to seem condescending or patronizing um but you know people take things to, to take things differently and just you're you know that's something that i'm constantly learning is that realizing that sometimes the things i say may not be conveyed or may not be interpreted the way that I mean it. Um, and then I try to keep things lighthearted in my clinic, but some people don't want that. Um, I try to make conversation and small talk, but some people don't want that. Um, and just understanding that 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 naturally your personality and how you practice and a patient's personality and how they want a doctor to treat them may sometimes align perfectly and it's a wonderful relationship. And that may sometimes not align perfectly. And either one of you may choose to, to discontinue that relationship and that is perfectly acceptable and that is okay. Um, And so I think your original question, I'm sorry, I digress, but I think the question (laughs) was, you know, what are we learning? And I I just say you're, you're constantly learning. And, um, and what I've, what I What I've learned when I first started out and what I am learning now are are not night and day. They're just very much, much linked. And you just kind of continue on this journey and you're just constantly learning more and more.
0: I think you you bring up a really good point because we all don't realize how much of, like we have our own biases so in our mind we have an idea of what a good patient-doctor relationship is what a good patient-doctor interaction is right I'm like wow like it was great we were vibing we were smiling but not everyone's gonna want that you bring up a great point because like maybe Joe down the street doesn't want his dentist to be chummy with him he wants him to be like you know like xyz like different and like it's okay that he wants that but i think it's like our job as providers to kind of read that and know like when to be what and like not force what our ideal patient-doctor relationship is on anyone what is it actually i'm curious what's an example of something that you've learned recently something that i've learned recently um
1: I think I always know this, but it kind of uh, hits home a little bit more recently is just that I can't control everything and I can't make everyone happy. And I, I think we all know that we can't make everyone happy. But when you see somebody who may right. not be as happy about an outcome or, or is upset about something you said, for example, and you just realize that. Um, I just need to practice the way I need to practice. I need to practice the way I think that is right, that is safe, um, that and that is helpful. And as long as you go into every day with the intention of truly helping somebody and truly being the best that you can be, you cannot be wronged for doing the right thing. And I, I think people can still be upset about complications and bad outcomes. I completely respect that. Um, but again, you cannot control some of those outcomes and you cannot control how people respond to those outcomes. And so sometimes people will be very understanding and then some people will be very not understanding and unappreciative, even though they may not realize that you went above and beyond and really went out of your way to help them. But it doesn't matter to them because they're not happy with that. And that's okay. They're entitled to feel that way, but that should not Hopefully, affect how you view yourself. The reality is that when these complications happen, or we have a bad patient interaction, they kind of eat away at us. And um, you know, a lot of us lose sleep for for days and nights, or sometimes weeks or months on end. And the the most important part of it is that we learn to recognize that we can't always control the outcome and we cannot control how other people respond to these outcomes. And so as long as we lead by actions that we will truly be proud of looking back on on, on, on it, and we always do it with the safety um, and with the intent
0: of caring for our patients, I, I, I don't think you can do anything differently. How do you bounce back from like those really tough days, like the times where like, I'm sure after a while, there are some things that you get used to. But like you said, I think there's just some things that like if you're human and if you go into this field with the right intentions, certain things will hurt a certain way, Um, even though we know it's right, even though we know it's fine. Let's say you had a bad day at at work. How do you bounce back from that? What are Annie's personal uh, tips for that?
1: Oh, it's hard. I I think... um... I think number one is to really take some time to reflect on it um, and see and and think about what had happened. I always try to stop and think about what what could I have done better. Um, the patient was complaining of X Y Z. Could I have done anything differently to have had them feel better or more cared for or to have a different outcome? If the answer is no, there's nothing that you really could have ha- could have done to help with the outcome. For example, there's a complication from a medication that we know about, and it's just, unfortunately it's bad luck that they had that complication. I've, there's not much that I can do to prevent a complication like that. Um, but could there have been a way that I could have communicated beforehand to help with that maybe maybe not um you know it's it's true what they say that when you talk to when you talk to your patients they may only remember a, a small percentage of what they say you know the classic example is you talk you you say oh you have cancer you mentioned the c word and people really don't remember much of what you're saying after you already start with that and so i think just to be really really honest with reflecting on the situation how could I have improved on this? Making a mental note on how I could have improved it. And then understanding that there may be certain things that I could not have improved upon and it is just bad luck or something had happened. And then um kind of accepting that complications will happen and that that it 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 is just an unfortunate part of of, of how we, uh, of what what happens. Um, I rely a lot on my friends that I talk to. I rely on family that I talk to. I rely a lot on my husband who is very understanding and, and listened to me as well. Um, and I think ultimately is time and, um, and just kind of letting those, those, uh, really hurtful words or, or stressful feelings kind of settle down. um, and I think they—it just varies depending on the situation. I've had um, situations where it—I'm like, this is so unreasonable—and it just takes me a couple of moments just to kind of calm down, take a deep breath, and then I have situations where I've—I've I've just, you know, thought about it for weeks until you know I eventually process through those feelings. Um, and so I think it just depends on the on the situation.
0: You know what's really interesting that I learned recently, a fun fact, is that physiologically, like, in your body, to feel an emotion fully, let's say, like, you just heard some upsetting news that a patient said to you or whatever, it takes 90 seconds for the emotion to fully pass through and for your brain to recognize it, and if you don't give your body the 90 seconds and it gets, like, interrupted or whatever, then the whole cycle has to start over, and this keeps happening, basically, until you can fully process your emotions. So I learned like like that kind of can be a contributor to why sometimes like things really stick with you. It could be like, you know, I mean, we work in such fast paced jobs too. You don't really get a second to think and like process everything. You just have to move to the next room. Sometimes you're balancing multiple rooms. I am curious what are things that really surprise you besides the fact that you never stop learning and besides the fact that you'll never know it all? Um, what is something that surprised you when you first started working? Because for me personally, I just got my first like full month's paycheck. And I was like, what are these taxes? Where did my money go? I was like, excuse me. My first paycheck was like only for like a couple days. So this is my first time really seeing the the big T taxes and I told Jimmy and I was like where's my money and he was like this is this is adulting there is the money you make and then there's like take home pay and I was like what so yes what's something that really surprised you about the whole work thing (laughs) I think
1: um clinically speaking what I thought of was you were asking me this question was it surprised me the (laughs) weight of my words and that by that I mean is that I, people ask me about skincare, skincare recommendations all the time. Should I use lotion? Should I not use lotion? What lotion should I use? Should I use skin, um, skin sunscreen or should I not use that? all this stuff? And you know, I, I sometimes feel like, oh, I'm just repeating myself over and over again. So it's like, sometimes I feel bored because I'm just, I feel like I'm just saying the same thing over and over again, but it's really, really important to check yourself And stop before you enter every room. And just to know that this is a different person with a different experience and a different background, a different understanding. And people have written back to me and say, thank you so much for your recommendation for this cream. I either like it or I don't. But they'll be like, oh, I really, really appreciate that advice that you gave me. And it's kind of helped me to realize that, you know, there's weight to my words that people really will say, oh, my gosh, you really like CeraVe. I'm going to go get CeraVe. And meanwhile, I'm like, ah, I, I, there's yeah. no incentives, no kickoff for CeraVe. I just happen to like it. And, you know, I use it on my kids. And I'm just making conversation that I kind of like CeraVe better than I like whatever other brands. Um, Not to endorse CeraVe at all. Everyone um, right now is like CeraVe, buy CeraVe. <laughs> the moisturizing could, but, um, you know, it's, it, 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 but then, you know, it really carries weight. So when, when you counsel your patient and you, they ask you, what's your favorite toothpaste or your mouthwash or what do you recommend that I do doc? It may feel like you're just repeating yourself in this groundhog day, but for that individual who took, took that time and energy to see you and to ask that question it, it actually has a lot of weight behind it and it might be the first time that they're actually hearing it um and and so just never be be bored or tired with what you're saying because you never know um how that actually registers uh, for that individual patient um, that is
0: that's such a good point. And I, I also realized too is that even if it's the same person in the beginning, I used to like read their chart and be like, "Oh, okay, the last doc mentioned this, so I'll just like mention it again casually." And then like after a while, I was like, "Okay, you need to stop pretending like they remember things because when I walk in half the time they're like, I don't know." So then I'm like, "Okay, let's just start fresh." Like just say, "Has anyone ever told you this?" Yeah. Cuz it's like even in the same person I think I heard, um, my boss told me it takes the average person seven times to hear something before they actually really, like, register it. Totally crazy Seven. Totally. And and it, yeah. it totally
1: depends on the, the person too, right? So I have some patients who are taking notes at every single visit. Um, and then mm. every subsequent visit they're, you know, they're editing their notes from last time. And and then um, some people oh. come in and they're like, oh, I already Googled and I read all of this. And you know, people are becoming really, really savvy. They come in doing all their research um, and they'll say like, I think it's this X, Y, Z. And then sometimes they're spot on. I, I give them a lot of credit for that. And then sometimes it's completely like, way out there that I'm like nah no not quite. Um but th- that's where your training comes in, right? That's where your ex- expertise comes in. Everything can look the same on Google images, but you are the one who's trained to know all the subtle nuances. Um for me in dermatology, it's this rash. Well, I really don't think it's this diagnosis that we have googled. I really think it's this rash based on what I see and what I've been trained. Um and and some people will will really love that and some people will just want what they want. Um and and they'll decline and they have the right to decline and then you have to be okay with with letting that go and, and, and letting them walk away from, from a recommendation. Um, and, and so just kind of respecting people, um, for the individuals that they are, uh, and then just doing your best. And then at the end of the day, that that's really all you can do.
0: It it makes a lot of sense when you talk about how, like, you have to respect the patient and what they want. And sometimes you're not going to be the doc for them. Like everyone, and they're totally entitled to that. It's like, you know, even I have preferences about like when I see a doc and I interact with someone, I'm like, wow, that was a really great interaction. And not everyone's going to be just like, you know, not everyone's going to be for you. You're not going to be for everyone. And it's important to like kind of touching on what you said earlier, like stick to your guns of the kind of dentist you want to or practitioner you want to be because it's your license on the line. Uh, every note I type, I like told one of the dentists I worked with and they thought this was so funny. they were like, oh, what are you working on? I was like, my note, I want to make sure this sounds good in court. So I was telling them like whatever I write down, I, I want to make sure like whatever happens that I can defend my actions and my thoughts and my words in court which might be dramatic but i'm just really covering on my bases it's not dramatic it's it's unfortunately a a part
1: of of what we need to do in to practice these days
0: i actually want to go back in time now to when you were a resident what were some of the hardest moments when you were a resident i know residency is really hard there's like lack of sleep there's a lot going on what were some of your personal hardest moments
1: i think you know the age that most of us are in residency, we're still learning a lot about ourselves. Um, certainly the material is hard, you know, it's, uh, it- uh, especially in dermatology, a lot of what we learn can be rare things that we may have never actually seen. So they, it requires a lot more book reading and studying, um, and and so the uh, amount of volume of information that we were expected to read upon, uh, read about, and study, and to to kind of understand um, every single week was was quite extensive. Um, and so that certainly always felt hard because you're tired after working all day, and then you have to go home and have the self discipline to be reading and to be studying. Um, so I think that was definitely hard. Um, I think also just learning about myself and learning about how to interact with patients, but also with other co-residents. Um, sometimes you jive really, really well, and sometimes you might not um, jive really, really well with with certain individuals. And, and that's OK. Um, and I think for me, just learning to not take things too personally and um, that sometimes it's not about me. It's it's about uh, other people, too. And. Um, And then, um, you know, learning how to move on from that was all some of the more challenging aspects of. Of residency uh, and then I think towards the end it was just trying to figure out what I want because I didn't know what I want I was like do I do fellowship do I just go into work and if I go into work where do I go to work um, all all these options because for for most of us our life has been very much um, spoken for meaning you go to high school then you go to college and then you go to medical school or dental school then you do residency or not go into residency but at the end of all that you're finally in attending you're finally done with training and it's the first time that you really kind of get to make a decision. Um, where do I want to live? What kind of practice do I want? Do I w- want to work in academia, private practice, um, multi-specialty setting? How how do I or start my own practice? Like, how do you want to do it? And there's a lot of options and it can be very, very overwhelming. I, I remember so vividly about how challenging it was um, just to try to decide what I want because I didn't know what I want. It was the first time that I got to choose. Um, and And so that can be very challenging
0: as well. How did you ultimately end up making the decision that you made? Do you feel like you had some moment where you're, like, an epiphany? Like, let's do this, and then you just went for it? Or did you just do it scared, not really knowing if it would work out anyways?
1: I think a little bit of both. I I think it's, you know, you can ha- you can think that you want to plan everything out in your life, but the reality is that, you know, life kind of tells you what it wants. Um, I think it wasn't a one event, I think it was a series of events. Um, I still remember being a residency and uh, there was just people that we encountered, neighbors, friends, for example. And um, I think the, the general mentality is that we work until we retire. And then once we retire, we can really enjoy our life. And then we had so many instances in a very short amount of time where we heard people who had to retire because mom and dad are sick or they did finally retire, but then they couldn't travel and enjoy their retirement because they were, they had to take care of their parents or they lost Mm -hmm. a spouse because of illness or tragic accidents or what have you. And so they never got to enjoy their retirement with their spouse. Um, There's life happens and there's a lot of unfortunate events that can happen. And so the next day is never given or never promised to you. Um, And so I think realizing that, um, I just realized that if we didn't move away now, we are never going to find a good time to move away. And uh, my husband and I were really eager to try something new, you know, we're, warmer weather, do something just totally different than where we grew up and what we had. And we felt that we could do it because we were young and healthy and so were our parents and our families were doing well. So it was a time that we could um, kind of easily break away. And and so that I think um, really kind of was what inspired us. To, to move away.
0: I love hearing that because I feel like sometimes we put too much pressure on ourselves to have like a, a decision that totally makes sense and it makes sense what you're saying which is that it wasn't necessarily one or the other like totally I don't know this is gonna work out and totally I do know it works out. It's just that you start to piece together what is working. I would describe like life and the past, what you want as a jungle we think it's going to be a clear sidewalk but it's actually a jungle and you just chip the branch in front of you and then you see more and then you chip the branch in front of you and then you see more and then that's kind of like how you end up where you end up i'm so glad that you ended up where you ended up though because we've had like countless amazing family memories where you are now and it's just created like a life for i know you said like your life worked out in a way that you never thought it would and the ripple effect is that it's created a life that we never thought we would all get either um getting to you know visit you guys so thank you for that (laughs)
1: You're very welcome. Um, I am very lucky that I have such a supportive family.
0: So another thing that I've been obsessed with recently is I've always heard this, the idea that if you focus on getting 1% better every day, that eventually that's going to end up adding up to really big results. I always heard that and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a very like long-term actions kind of person. I like that like immediate whatever. Um, But... I've recently become obsessed with this whole 1% idea because I've started to see returns on some of the little things I've been doing. For example, um, like gua my face. I love that because I'm really starting to see, I feel like I can see a difference, but it's the kind of thing where it doesn't happen overnight. What are some of your like tips, tricks, whatever for success or, you know, in your life, the 1% things that you do every day that you've seen big results on? Yeah. Yeah. Um... Number
1: one, what I what we always say, especially in the running world, is trust the process and just keep showing up. Mm. Um, that was said by Des Linden, who is uh, an elite runner, and she was also she was also kind of always kind of the underdog, and um, you know kind of mm. under underperforming, so to speak, compared to some of the other really elite runners. And then um, what was it? The twenty I forgot which year it was. It was the Boston Marathon that was a complete washout. It was just like 35 degree weather with 30 miles per hour winds. It was absolutely awful. And the elite runners were that were supposed to win was dropping left and right. And I think that was in 2018, I believe. But she ended up winning. Uh, and it surprised everyone. But, uh, I read her, her memo her book about it. And, you know, she was, she was destined for that because she was somebody who just kept showing up. And that's her big thing is saying, just keep showing up. Um, and so I've seen it in my own life in terms of my running and that, you know, Mm -hmm. when I, when I first came to Hawaii, I really couldn't run three miles without huffing and puffing. It was just really, really uncomfortable. And, I've tried throughout my life to try to pick it up and then I would drop it off because it was getting too hard and my throat hurts and my mouth and my you know my nose hurts when I'm running too hard and I couldn't keep up with with friends or whatever, um, but here I just. We made it a point to go a little bit slower, um, just making it fun and conversational with friends that I really enjoy running with, and just keep keeping at it, slowly keeping at it, and and that's what ultimately my friends uh, inspired me to to try the marathon, and now I've run two marathons, and um and my time has gotten faster with every single marathon, but five years ago, and six years ago, seven years ago, even four years ago, if you said to me that I could run these times, I would have just laughed in your face. Cause I was, I would say that, you know, I can't run a marathon. I can't run those times. That's not me. That's not my body. But I think just slowly chipping away at it and every single day, um, just keep showing up and then trusting the process, um, has, has led me to where I am today. I think the other thing would be, uh, what I do is I do jot down notes when I, um, or, learn really cool tidbits, um, you know, like, oh, try this trick when you are trying to treat this or try to do this. And and I jot down notes, um, either sometimes on a pad or paper, sometimes it's just on my phone. And just having those notes, because eventually over time, you actually create your little catalog of, of tips and tricks. And you can always refer, that, refer back to that. Um, you're never going to remember everything. Um, and you know, you're going to know a lot about the bread and butter things, but there's going to be rare things and you're never going to know everything, but you're going to keep looking it up, keep learning, um, learning for yourself, learning for your patients so that you can provide the best care possible for them. And knowing your limits, knowing when to ask for help is really, really important. Though so all those little notes that I've jotted down have become really big, long, um, what was it document word documents in my phone, or I have a little spiral notebook with all di- different tips
0: and tricks that I refer back to. So all of that adds up. I've actually seen that. All right. Are... I, I think I've seen that little spiral notebook. You're like a big, like handwriter. Like whenever I go to Annie's house, there's always like little like notes and books and things like
1: that. <laughs> I am. I, I do enjoy writing notes by hand. I think uh, for me, it actually is part of my learning process that I think it helps me remember a little bit better. Uh, I, I just don't feel the same when I'm, you know, typing with my thumbs. Um, and you know, that's why we go to meetings. That's why we subscribe to mm-hmm. academic journals. Um, you know, just last night I was actually um, having a snack after the kids went back. I was actually eating ramen after the, skin, the kids uh, went to bed. Uh, and Ooh, then and that's What kind was... of ramen do you like? Oh, I did, last night I had shin ramyun, but I usually like nioguri. Okay, uh, which I was told by my friends oh, is not pronounced nioguri, so but uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my last night I had shin ramyun, which is really really spicy, but I really enjoy that. And but, but but as I was cooking and and afterwards, um, I was actually reading uh, a couple of of just kind of journals that that I have. Um, and so that's, that's the other way to to keep up with it.
0: Now, what are things that you enjoy watching for fun? Or like, let's, let's say you have your bowl of shin Ramyun, And oh. then, um, and you're not like reading an article or something. Are you like watching anything fun on TV nowadays? Like, what are your like relaxation things you
1: like? Oh, so now you're talking about what I usually do. <laughs> um, so usually, <laughs> I was like, wow. So, so my, my oh, oh my gosh, all the trashy TV that I, I have, have, I don't know, rotten so many brain cells watching. So, uh, you know, Vanderpump Rules, obviously last season, uh, Real Housewives, of OC and Beverly Hills, um, and then I like Below Deck. I I love Bravo TV. And um, the other one that I recently watched that I I actually really ended up enjoying enjoying was The Summer I Turned Pretty season one and season two. Oh my um, god, you watched both of those? I did. I watched season one when it came out, and then um, I totally missed the fact that the season two um, season two came out. And then I just binged like the first three or four episodes, and then it wasn't available anymore. So then I moved on. I for- totally forgot about it. And then recently. Uh, one of my friends reminded me that they had the season finale or something. And then, um, and then I, I binged the last three or four episodes Uh, but I, I totally love the show. I think it's so well done. Um, maybe a little bit of overacting, but you know, the, the actors and um, actresses, they're pretty amazing considering a lot of them don't actually have true, you know, video uh, TV experience. A lot of times for some of them, it's like the first time on the big screen acting, um and the emotions are pretty raw and i think they do a pretty good job and it just brings you that like teeny bopper in you and, and you know young love and it's really really cute and well done so i've I've really enjoyed that show recently um but then along with that is on amazon prime is the marvelous mrs mazel it kept on winning all these awards i didn't understand what was the big deal but it's hilarious uh really and I, I really enjoy um ted and but i haven't finished the last season yet and then um Shits Creek was one of my favorites.
0: So now on to our last segment, which I'm going to call Sister Knows Best. I thought it would be fun just because, you know, when I was a kid, I loved... I actually never told you this, but you probably assumed. I loved, like, raiding your closet and raiding your makeup bag and just seeing what you were using just because I feel like as a little sister, there's a level of, like, awe that comes with seeing what your older sister is using. Um, but... Now I'm cooler, so I also have recommendations of my own. So (laughs) I would like to give um, three of my own little sister recommendations, and you can give three of your big sister recommendations. We can go, like, on and off. Okay. And these are just things that, you know, that we recently discovered, that we really like, and things like that. So my first little sister recommendation – oh, I actually have it here. It's Poppy. Have you – you would love Poppy. Have you tried Poppy? No, I have not. It is so good. It's called Raspberry (laughs) Rose. Look, I wish you guys could see the look on Annie's face. It's like if you show like a seagull a french fry, literally she was like, (laughs) I just saw your pupils like zone in on this. Oh, fun fact about Annie and Mike, because they're both like, you know, like healthy. They're, they're doctors and dentists and stuff like that. I've never seen a snack pantry like theirs. They got soda. They got goldfish, Gatorade, like so many of these like karyogenic things. But they love like junk food and stuff. Um, you, would, you would love this. It's like it has probiotics. But um, is it? Yeah, is it I think that they are onto is it that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So you will love it. It's let me let me give it a sip. <laughs> so it's sparkly. It's very drinkable. It's not too thick and syrupy. But okay, yeah, give Poppy a try. They have a bunch of other flavors. You and Mike will love it. So what is your first Big Sister recommendation?
1: All right, so talking about our snack drawer, the thing that I recently discovered that I yes. absolutely loved was um, a Target brand of fruit leather.
0: Is it the good and kind one or whatever?
1: Yes, 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 yes. The good and kind. They're individually wrapped, which I think is terrible for the environment. But the the fruit <laughs> leather is is just so tasty and it's so good. And I actually got it um, uh, for the kids on a on a plane because I figured they could chew on it and it could, it's such a treat for them. And so when we you know descend or um, or depart, that it'll help with the the ear pressure. Oh, that that's true. Um, but. So far, I bought an extra like family size pack. And um, I think I gave two to the kids and I've been (laughs) eating all the rest of them at nighttime after they go to bed. So uh, I am a big fan of fruit leather currently. And I think Good and Kind is a readily available one. But the one at Trader Joe's that I got uh, recently on, on a trip to the mainland is also top notch.
0: My second little sister recommendation is gua sha. I don't, I don't know how dermatologists feel about this, but I just am so obsessed. I think it's more that I like the ritual and that I'm taking time for myself now. But I also feel like I just feel like I'm seeing results. I just feel like it, it just not tightens things because I'm 28 and I don't like need things to be tightened yet. But like I just feel like I see something happening that is favorable, so I'm just gonna keep doing it until I don't editing Connie here okay so for anyone that doesn't know what gua sha is it's basically uh this like facial massage I think it's from China and Korea you use like a jade or a stone kind of um like flat tool and you use it to massage your face and it tightens and brightens and it helps with lymphatic drainage um dad actually you probably know what I'm talking about I think it's called gua sha uh and yeah it's just like a facial stone massage and that's what I'm obsessed with
1: I think it's proven to be harmful. So I think there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah. And I kind of like, like the whole idea of like doing it to like follow your, your like lymph patterns. That's kind of fun too. But, um, okay. What is your second big sister recommendation? So, um, when you said poppy, it actually reminded me
1: that recently I got a, a box of AHA, A-H-A. That's, um, that's a sparkling water as well. And they have a blueberry pomegranate, um, that was just really, really delicious. So I've definitely had some like I'm kind of whatever about Lacroix. I'm kind of whatever about bubbly um, brands, but uh, ahad this particular one that I had. Uh, I think it was I think it was blueberry pomegranate, but I really really enjoyed it. Um, because what I would really like is a Diet Coke, but I'm really trying to cut down.
0: I so I think I've seen what you're talking about. I don't remember if we've had it, but we will get that next. We still sometimes get the Schweppes mango raspberry because of you guys.
1: Yeah, so if you can get Schweppes or Polar Spring, uh, then for sure get it. It's just that we don't have Polar Spring uh, on island. Um, so I always binge on Polar Spring when I, uh, Polar Spring when I go, uh, Polar Spring when I go back
0: to the mainland. That's so interesting. I never knew that was like a man- mainland exclusive. That
1: I don't think, I mean, I don't really look that hard nowadays. But I, I think uh, I don't think I've really seen it
0: as much here. So. Oh, this this also reminds me. What are your Trader Joe's favorites? Because I know before you moved off of the mainland, you you loved Trader Joe's.
1: Yeah, I have several. Um, the uh the what's that, the fried mochi that's my absolute favorite. Um, but they have these really really delicious like chocolate dip sticks. It's in a little tub. Um, that one I oh, really, yeah. really really love. Uh, they're like cookies, right? No, they're like little yeah sticks. Let me go grab it. I have it right outside. Just... Oh my god, <laughs> that's
0: so funny. Did you buy it the last time you were home? Yeah. This is Ooh, all this. Product. Okay, I definitely tried I the mochi it. ones. <laughs> it's really is uh, product placement. This dark so chocolate
1: funny. cookie stick. It is so Ooh. so good. I finish one of these in every sitting. Um, it's it's kind of like Pocky sticks, you know, but um, mm. uh, but it it's it's really really great. So it's
0: one of my favorites. Oh my god, I love that! Yeah, no, this whole episode is just me setting up product placement for future sponsors. I'll be like, "See, we we talked about this organically." Organos. Yeah, yeah.
1: whatever you want.
0: <laughs> and my last uh, recommendation as a little sister is: I love the twelve three thirty treadmill workout. It's basically. Have you heard about this? No. So. I know that you don't have a treadmill, but it's good for, like, busy people to multitask. Um, basically, it's 12 330 so it's an incline of 12 for a speed of 3, and you walk that for 30 minutes, and it's kind of, like, long-sustained incline cardio, um, and what I really like about it is, one, you work up such a sweat from it, so, like... You just feel really accomplished which i like after my workouts um but but you're just walking and then two you can really multitask so a lot of times i'll like respond to emails or comments or make a post or come up with post ideas like while i'm on there so it's very good to multitask if you want to like catch up on literature or like anything like that oh
1: that's really that's really great i can totally see that that's like walking up a hill for 30 minutes
0: yeah Yeah, I'm like, I guess you could just do that since you're in Hawaii and you actually have nice hills and nice weather.
1: Uh, so I, 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 I would have to say it's my current sunscreen. Um, and that is La Roche-Posay, uh, mineral tinted SPF 50 sunscreen. Uh, and so it's, it's a liquid, it's tinted, it goes on, it's super lightweight. Um, and it's got SPF 50 and that's something that I put on every single day before I leave the house in the morning. It blends in nicely with my skin tone and then it has all the key ingredients like the tinted and the zinc oxide, titanium dioxide that we need to, um, protect our skin from the sun Ooh, where, where can we get this longs so you can get them anywhere but i like longs because then i can use the longs like 30 percent off one item coupon and and so um I, I think the best price i've i've gotten it before was at longs but they and you know the average it's like their... cvs right oh oh sorry yes yes cvs cvs uh everywhere not in hawaii is uh is where you where you can get it
0: she's so hawaiian i love it uh <laughs> so that is all that we have for today um it's funny normally I'm like leave where people can find you but I'm just like she'll be here so anyways that was my sister Annie thanks so much for popping on today Annie she was like a little superhero and did a skincare clinic today too for her hospital so big round of applause for Annie she did awesome thanks so much for coming on thank you for having me thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next time bye